What's up, everybody? Welcome, welcome to the Comet ML Office Hours, powered by the artists of data science. Super excited to have all you guys here. Thanks for joining me on this lovely Sunday, May 2nd. Can you believe that it is May already? It's it's insane. In about one week, less than one week, my son is going to turn one years old. That, it, to me, is a complete madness. I can't believe it. He's already a year. I can't believe we survived a year of him. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for, for celebrating his birthday next week. I got him a, uh, kind of a really cool gift. He's really, he, he knows one color and that color is blue and he knows one object and that object is a car. So what did I get him? I got him a blue car for his birthday. So he's going to enjoy that. But yeah, man, welcome everybody. Super excited to have you guys here. We got some good friends in the building. We got Tor, we got Christoph. Good to see you guys again. We got some new names that I don't recognize. I see uh arusha aditya renata how you guys doing so let's uh let's go ahead and get this party started man if anybody has any questions at all please uh go for it feel free to unmute yourself i'm going to mute you guys as you come into the room just to minimize background noise and, and stuff like that but please do feel free to uh unmute yourself if you have a question if you don't have a question then maybe i can think of something to get us started here so Hi. i was gonna ask Sorry. Uh, yeah yeah go for it renata it, you go for it it is uh it's your floor um so i'm a first time actually here joining you guys so really nice um my question is um rather simple i would say um so what is happening i'm trying to enter or you know, I'm trying to develop some new skills uh, towards data science. And uh, one of the things, the obvious thing is actually practicing uh, the theory. Um, here, I'm struggling a little bit. Uh, I want to say probably with my motivation, uh, because uh, whenever I'm trying to think about a project that I want to do, uh, it normally goes above my skill set. So obviously, I tend not to finish it or even, you know, kind of dropping at a very beginning stage because it's just, I'm not capable to, fan it, to, to do such a huge thing that I'm thinking that it would be really amazing and exciting to do it. Um, at the same time, I'm thinking that the, the little projects are kind of copy-pasting what other things we're doing is not as exciting and it's not as useful in a generic way. Um, so I was really wondering if there is a possibility to actually gain those skills while helping maybe someone or somebody, you know, who, who needs that sort of help with, I don't know, very basic stuff because I'm learning. I'm at the, at the very beginning stage. So obviously, you know, um, I don't know, from labeling data, maybe someone needs that type of things, uh, maybe cleaning data. So I was just really wondering if there are these sort of organizations or these sort of kind of NGO platforms, something that, um, let's say, beginners as me would be able to uh, do, give our time and at the same time learning the, the necessary skills. Yeah, that's a great question. I think the first thing that pops to mind is organizations such as, or, or the equivalent of based on where you're located, like uh, data for good or data kind or driven data companies like this that provide pretty much data science services, but for nonprofit sectors, I think that might be a good bet. But let's just roll back just a little bit before we jump into there. Let's talk about this aspect that you brought up about how you're not completing projects. Because honestly, doing projects is like the probably the most important thing that you could do to develop skills. So when you say you are starting to work on a project, but you stop because of uh, you, maybe you bit off more than you chew, like give, give me a, an example of that. Yeah. Okay. So um, 
for example, uh, my, my work experience is recruitment. That's where I'm now. And one of the projects that I wanted to do is actually um, see if I can create a model to predict uh, how long a person will be staying in a company. And this is something that when I was, you know, trying to do research, there are people who were doing this. Um, I don't know how good those, those models are. Um, some of those I, I could understand from what was written. Some of them were much, much, you know, above my head. I was not spending too much of the time on that. Um, but yeah, so so that was an exciting idea for me because I could apply my um, knowledge of the field um, and again, you know, build skills on, on that one. Uh, my struggle, <laughs> I started struggling uh, quite at the very beginning when I realized that I don't have actually a good data set. And the ones that I could uh, get my hands on were not satisfying to me because it was either the fake ones or it was such a limited amount of data. And it was nothing that I could really base on the theories that I, I knew that could be really valuable and really, you know, predict if how long person would be staying or at what time person would be leaving the company. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's one of the projects. Yeah. So I think at this point, just based on what you're saying, right, um, I would I would not optimize my efforts for usefulness of what I create. I would optimize my efforts for what I can learn in the process of doing the project, right? So I think the first step would be kind of just ignore this idea of having having a useful model or, or anything like that, right? Like, you don't need to worry about that yet. I'm, I'm not sure where it is on the skill spectrum that you currently lie, but I'm, I'm going to guess that it's probably somewhere left of, you know, the middle, right? You probably got some skills, but maybe not, not terrible amount. I don't, you can correct me. You can, if you want to give me some more color around that, definitely. So like, wh I where are you at? I want to say beginner. Honestly, okay. I think it's safe to say that I'm more beginner rather than middle. So maybe just do the simplest possible project that you can do, right? Obviously, if, if you're, if you're good with like how to, how to code in Python, maybe you just do a simple exploratory data analysis project, right? Or maybe you just start off with a notebook with a data set and you just practice writing object-oriented code that you are reading in from like a helper file and doing some data exploration with, right? So maybe just practice some of those parts first, right? And then eventually just kind of gradually move up end up in, in terms of incremental difficulty, right? Maybe now you go from just working out of a notebook to, all right, cool, I'm going to start writing Python scripts. I'm going to try to make this as automated as possible. So I'm going to start using some frameworks like cookie cutter data science or, or Kedro, where I can write code in such a way that I can just run it straight from the command line with, you know, a couple of keystrokes. Um, and maybe just, just focus on having a project where you develop an end-to-end -end pipeline where maybe you upload a CSV somewhere, maybe not even upload a CSV, just have your program read a CSV from your hard disk, do some transformations to it, right? Clean it up, have that result then get passed through to a model, have the model make its predictions and then have those predictions stored on a local database on your local machine, right? So maybe that's the type of project you should probably try to optimize for and develop this core skill set around that because from that core skill set being able to do that everything else is just a little bit more of an extension just a little bit more complicated version of that does that make sense yeah sorry um yeah absolutely i guess it's just me you know going yeah just getting excited about these big things and and yeah, yeah. that's true that you need to start, you know, walking before you start running. So. Yeah, so that that would be like the biggest thing, right? Just just ha focus first on on just making sure you can write good good clean code, and then once you have done that, maybe you've practiced 
you know, how to clean data in pandas. You practice how to do some exploration and then things like that. Now say, all right, cool, I'm going to build out a pipeline. And all I want this pipeline to do is get this CSV from this location on my disk and then walk through the entire pipeline that we just described, have it clean it, have it do some summaries, some aggregations, go to a model, take those results from the model, push it back into a database. But now the, the challenge now is like, okay, great. Here's a simple framework, a simple pipeline that I could do. What do I actually work on, right? So you're mentioning you got toy data sets that you're just not excited about or thrilled about, but there's things that we can, we can look at, right? Uh, to help make it more fun and more exciting. For example, there's the website OpenML. Are you familiar with that? Uh, I think you might be muted. Oh, you, you just leave yourself unmuted. Uh, Renata, that, that's that's fine. We're going to have a conversation Which one, sorry? here. Uh, OpenML. No, actually. I've, so, yeah, I'm going to pull it up on, time. yeah, I'll pull it up on the screen here. Uh, so for everybody that's listening to the recording of this on the podcast, you can switch to the YouTube video. But here's OpenML. And OpenML just has a bunch of really cool data sets. The thing is that you might not necessarily know what the data set represents um, because the features will be uh, anonymized for a lot of them, but you got a bunch of different types of data sets here. So this is entirely uh, an, an option for you. And then there's actually a, a package in Python, the OpenML package, where you can just get the data sets directly through that instead of having to download the CSV and, and do all that. There's an API where you can um, just in, in Python where you can get the data. Um, and there's a bunch of different data sets here. So that's one place to start. Another thing is, you know, let's just uh, let's just think about your geographic location. So where, where are you currently located? Luxembourg, Europe. All right. So let's see. I'm sorry. I, I don't know how to spell. Uh, I'm sure Google will uh, correct uh, my spelling. Yeah, it, it will correct. All right, cool. So there's a pu uh, public data portal in for Luxembourg. So that's cool. So maybe what you want to do is, okay, I don't understand anything on this page. So I'm going to translate this to English and hopefully I can understand it. Um, but there's a bunch of different data sets here for Luxembourg's um, open data portal that you can look through, right? And there's a bunch of interesting things you could do if you just kind of dig through the data they have here and build out like a mini project. So a friend of mine did this project, uh, Mark Nagelberg, a friend of mine from here in Winnipeg. He used the, the city of Winnipeg's open data portal and he did this really interesting project where he just uh, looked at all the trees that were planted in every single neighborhood in Winnipeg and did some type of exploratory data analysis for that. There's also, and I was thinking about doing this project, but I did not do it, but there's um, data from the city of Winnipeg's open data portal about parking tickets. And it's got a bunch of information about the parking ticket, the location, the type of offense, the time, um, so on and so forth. Right? You can also get demographic data for each neighborhood through the city of Winnipeg's open data portal. So maybe an interesting project to work on is, is there a link between the you know demographics of a particular neighborhood and the incidence rate of parking tickets? So are the parking officials disproportionately targeting a certain type of neighborhood for parking tickets. So things like that could be fun and interesting for you to work on. Um, let me know if any of this is applicable to you or if it's if it's making sense. I'll, I'll pause right now. Yeah, absolutely. And um, this is something where, again, I, I think probably the, the first thing that you mentioned that, you know, starting with something simple, probably that's indeed where I need to kind of, you know, really start something with because um, when I started looking in interesting data sets for myself, I turned because by education, I'm a psychologist. So, you know, by nature, I'm actually very much behavioral. Okay. And, and I get into all these huge data sets that are really, you know, so 
I need to clean up so much and, and sometimes I don't even know how to clean up correctly. So again, that's a struggle and it's, it ends up, that, you know, eating a lot of my time. So I think, yes, it's absolutely something that I can use for motivation for probably a second step. Uh, thinking about uh, a original project for myself, uh, surely, you know, something around my, my location that, that motivates. Um, and yeah, as a, as a second step afterwards, you know, once I already, already building a little bit more of a skill set. Yeah, or even like just reframe the project, right? Let's say you're talking about just right now, data set cleaning pain in the butt for you how about just say all right this is a data cleaning project and this is you know my little data cleaning project and you can still write good code clean code around that and try to make it extensible as possible modular as possible so that what you're doing can maybe apply to almost any data set right um and you get you don't necessarily need to put the data up on github but you can still share your good nice clean well-written code about how you clean this data set Right. And make that a little project. Just try to reframe some some of I mean, I'm talking to you about psychology or psychologists. So I guess you <laughs> you 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 get what I'm trying to say here, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Putting, you know, in a kind of still making a goal out of out of a project that is, is rather, you know, kind of simple. But mm-hmm. that brings actually a little bit some <laughs> additional question. Mm-hmm. Um, because um how should I know the best practices? Like I'm following you, Demi, you know. Well, not following. <laughs> I'm, 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 you know, I did a couple courses on that. Um, I'm also planning actually to see and maybe proceed with uh, BA in, in uh, computer science or data uh, data science. Still struggling to, to to make a decision on that. But let's say when it comes to good practices, maybe there are some additional places. Like if a beginner like me could actually share these codes with people and ask to take a look on it. Yeah, you can share your code on like GitHub. Um, that's one. Mm-hmm. Definitely like the most obvious place I can think of to to share it. Um, that's probably what I would do. I'd share it there and then maybe make some friends either right here in this community that we have and say, hey, I've got some code. Would you mind doing a peer review for it? Uh, join the Slack channel for the Artists of Data Science. Go there and, and post in you know the one of the sections and just ask if somebody who can look over your code that's definitely helpful as well in terms of best practices um i mean i, I don't know if, i don't know if there's best practices that exist in data science to be completely honest i know there's a, a, there's a few frameworks you should follow right like uh, crisp dm c r i s p dash dm i think it's like the cross industry uh standard process for data mining and that's kind of the data science process so that's definitely worth a um checking out and another resource you can look at in terms of best practices around how to write your code is i mentioned kedro is one i think kedro might be a little bit more opinionated and and advanced for where you're at right now so i'd look at cookie cutter data science that is a good one um and there's a bunch of other interesting websites um that i can link you to that are escaping me right now are you a phd data scientist i'm sorry phd psychologist masters Uh, only masters okay so you've got you still got some decent academic kind of experience there's there's a particular website i cannot remember the name of it for the life of me right now um, but it was geared towards how to write, you know, good, clean code, but for academics. I think I wanted to say it was called Software Carpentry. I think it was actually, yeah, it's popping up in my my feeds right now. Um, so this might be worth looking at if you want to pick up more of those uh, coding type of skills. And it's really user friendly and beginner friendly. So I've linked it right there in the chat um, so software carpentry, it's just basically basic lab skills for research computing. 
Um, and you'll get a good idea of how to write good good code through that. That's Part, great. Yeah. Um, let me know if, if I've completely missed your question or was that... Was no, that no, no. That, that's exactly it is, you know. And I am also a little bit all over my place, but it's just because I think it's normal. It's a beginning. So it's, you know, kind of you're learning as, as you're going. And that's when you're kind of realizing where you want to go to spend more time. So I'm, I'm yeah. still in the search. So, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And it's just helpful for, for me, at least when I was doing it, I was like, all right, this is going to be a data cleaning project. All I am planning to do with this is clean data. And I'm just going to write good, clean code that maybe I can use for other data sets um, that are going to help me clean this data set. Right. So that that's so one. Ultimate, yeah. mm-hmm. Sorry. So the ultimate goal is actually to write a code that will be applicable to any any data set that you, that you would be bringing in? Uh, not ultimately, like a lot of the stuff that you're doing is going to be only applicable to the data sets or types of data that you're working on hand. But there's some stuff that you can definitely write that's that's general for most stuff, right? Making sure that if a, if a column comes in and you're intending this column to be a numeric column, but it's being loaded in as strings for whatever reason that you're doing the right conversion, um, things like that. What, I know Christoph uh, probably has some good insights here as well, if you want to know. And I, I just wanted to add something to what you already said, Harpreet. Yeah. It, it's fine to make um, tiny projects because you'll be surprised how much you learn, even if you think at the beginning that this project isn't difficult because they always seem feel uh, a lot simpler before we start and when you jump right into the project you you realize there's a lot to learn and even tiny projects will uh, get you outside of your comfort zone because you won't have anyone like on udemy or something who will guide you you have to solve problems by yourself and you learn really a lot and uh, making projects difficult and that's the main reason uh, not to finish them uh, it's like you you're a psychologist so you know it we, we need this uh, positive thinking and our brain has to like what to do in order to come back to it again so if you if you want to learn like every day if you make your project difficult then you'll uh, look for some reasons not to do the project because it's unpleasant and that's the fastest way to abandon it and you you look for some excuses not to do the project today and tomorrow and after four days or something you you don't feel like coming back anytime that's what i what i wanted to add yeah so it's fine to make tiny projects you always learn a lot yeah absolutely agree like small discrete projects are definitely uh, a great way to go jaya let's hear from you and then uh, renata i'm going to link you to something right here in the chat it's uh somebody did a python data cleaning project um but just just to, to emphasize my point like not all the code that you write always is going to be applicable to every single data set out there um so so don't don't interpret what I said as that way because I, I think I, I might have said what I wanted to say in, in a uh, not good way. Um, Jaya, let's hear from you. And while Jaya is talking, if anybody else has any questions at all, please um, go ahead and let me know right there in the chat and then I'll add you to the queue. So, um, Renata, so I hope I'm pronouncing your name correct. Uh, I Perfect. come from a non-tech, yeah, <laughs> I come from a non-technical background. So I, I, I kind of feel your struggles as well. Uh, I don't have Python or R anything of those skills so I taught myself and I can while I was learning I was also giving up a lot because you know there was no purpose to it and uh, I couldn't find a data set that kind of fit to what I'm looking for you know to 
get me going. I would like drop a lot of stuff along the way and not feeling motivated. So what I did was, uh, this is kind of crazy. I, I forced myself to get into like a MOOC program. Uh, the one I took was the Udacity. So I took their data analysis program to just force myself to learn it, the program, the Python, whatever that goes into it, data cleaning, data exploration and all that stuff, because I needed to be accountable with something. And, you know, this MOOC program, you have a deadline, right? Like six months or seven months or something like that. I think it was like like a year for, for this one. So uh, if you don't finish on time, you and I, I paid for it too. So you, you don't want your money to go to waste, you know? So so that one, because there was a payment attached to the program, I uh, and it f- made me accountable. Oh God, I got, to, I got to finish this within a year. Because I can say, you know, uh, there are other external situations that might kind of say, oh, you know, you're too busy. Don't do this data analysis uh, course. You know, you got other things that you want to do. But, because I did this program, it forced me to kind of sit down and, you know, every day I would sit down every night, actually, because I'm a mom and a busy mom. And I do I would sit down every night after the kids go to bed, I would sit and do it little by little by little by little. So then, you know, as you accomplish this tiny wins, uh, it, it becomes like, oh, OK, I know something today, which I didn't know yesterday. Then it just kind of accumulates and and. and you feel you begin to know more. And I, I would say you will be Googling a lot of stuff uh, outside of the university program because there are a lot of things they say. Because the thing about boot camps is they expect you to know some stuff already, even though they say it's a beginner, you know. So you'll be doing a lot of research, Googling outside of the pro boot camp to kind of catch up. That's just put it. And it's a good thing because anything that you learn is never, ever wasted. And it's a struggle. I'm, I will say it would be a struggle. Nothing comes uh, easy. <laughs> and I struggle a lot, especially when I was a non-tech person. I had to learn how to program. I didn't know little simple Python sitting, zero, nothing. So yeah, for me, what worked was I, I enrolled in a paid program and uh, I, I had to hold accountable for it to kind of finish it. And then, you know, now that I know how to analyze data, then you can go and get your passion project or anything that you love and you start to do stuff with it. So yeah, that's, that's my input. Yeah. Thanks, Jay. No, Sorry. absolutely. I can relate to that. And, and that's one of the reasons why I'm considering, you know, this, um, well, it's online uh, BA degree, uh, you know, in, in this, as mentioned, computer science well, or data science, they have two programs. Um, so that's actually what I'm looking, having this yeah. accountability. Um, yes, it will be costly. Yes, of course, I will be paying money as well, but there will be exams, so there will be deadlines. Yep, um, exactly. So that's something that's... And, 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 being, and online learning is a very, uh, yeah, online learning is a very lonely world, let me tell you. <laughs> you don't have anyone guiding you. You don't have, uh, you know, someone tapping on your shoulder or a teacher tapping on your shoulder to do stuff. And so it's a lonely world. It's a... Uh, but you just have to bite the bullet and just go for it. And and there are forums in there and stuff like that. You know, that model worked for me because uh, I was working plus being a mom and all that stuff. I needed something where I, I the time is mine. I can control the time as to when I want to study, where I want to study, that kind of thing. But it's a lonely world. So just be ready for it because there will be ups and downs while you're doing it in the boot camp too. So, but you, you just have to think about the, the little wins that you have and just keep moving forward. It might be tough, but keep moving forward is all I can say. Yeah. Thanks Thank for, you. For that. That's very inspiring. <laughs> yeah. And if, um, 
if I don't know if you've looked into Udacity's nano degree programs, but if you're the type of person that likes those really structured type of courses with the accountability and, and deadlines like you had mentioned, um, I think those nano degrees might be a good option for you. So definitely look into those um, as opposed to doing just a full on bachelor's degree, especially if you already have like a master's, right? Like it, getting a bachelor's in data science might be a little bit of overkill, um, but it's entirely, entirely up to you. Check it out, see what's going to fit you. So there's um, a link here to um, Adventure of Code from my friend Elki. I've met Elki at um, Data Science Go Virtual. Good to see you here. So definitely check that out. That might be helpful for you as well. It's just composed of small exercises that will get harder and harder over time. Uh, they have you transform data and work with different types of data and conscious of how performant a particular approach is. That's really pretty cool. So definitely check that out. Um, I, I'll be adding that resource to uh, to my list as well. All right, Renata, thank you so much for your question. Um, all right, so- Thank you, everyone. Yeah, so Suman, if you got a question, um, let me first put you in the queue because somebody did send me a question through the uh, message here. It's, you... it's, it's not a question. It's okay. about uh, just continuing to the, the discussion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So please uh, for Renata. Uh, I, so I'm currently doing a, a boot camp at Flatiron. And from my experience, I think a boot camp can be expensive. And the, the depth of material that teach you, I found it is almost the same as some of the online uh, courses at like Coursera or uh, EDX or whatever. So I, like from my personal experience, I think, I mean, uh, uh, pursuing a online course would be better at like EDX. There's a nice course by MIT, like MicroMaster Data Science, which is way cheaper. Uh, I... I kind of, I, I feel like I kind of wasted my money at doing this bootcamp because I didn't, I was hoping to go into really great detail and learning more, but that didn't happen actually. So it was kind of disappointing. So my piece of advice is maybe if you're just jumping in first, like get into the those MicroMaster program, which is way cheaper from there. And then you can like uh, dig into further. Right on. Thank you very much, Suman. Appreciate that. So let's head to uh, Aditya. Aditya, go for it. You can unmute yourself. Uh, uh, breathe. you can hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. Uh, is my voice clear? Because there's yeah. power fluctuations at my place. No, sounds uh, loud yeah. and clear. Loud and clear for right now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for inviting me here. And uh, I, I really have a quick question. So currently, I'm doing a data science internship at IIT. And IIT is a top institute here in India. It's an engineering institute. So uh, my professor, like he asked me to work on uh, transformers. Okay, so I hope you heard of it, the transform. As a research intern, I have to um, basically do some modifications such that to see how this model behaves. Okay, so I'm quite confused. Like I have read several papers, um, uh, several similar papers to uh, transformers. Okay, I'm like, I'm still confused, like what kind of modifications I have to do to improve this model or how to uh, make make this happen. So can you just tell me um, how should I just get into, get started with research and do stuff? That's it. <laughs> can I just teach you how to get started with research and do stuff? All right. Uh, 
Yeah, let me let me show you what I would do. So, so first of all, I, like I don't know much about transformers like at all whatsoever. That's um, not something that I'm very well versed in. I can refer you to a book um, by Dennis Rothman who wrote Transformers, but I think his Transformers are specifically for NLP. So I'm not going to have much insight to your particular question, but I will show you kind of what I would do to help me with with any type of research that I'm doing. Right. So, for example, um, yeah, research yeah. mostly yes. So uh, I'm a huge fan of of Google's kind of like keyword searches, right? So that's a huge thing. Uh, let me just show you what I would do. So I'm pulling up Google. So for those of you listening on the podcast, you might want to tune in and go to the uh, YouTube to check it out. But let's say we're doing computer vision transformers, right? And we're looking for research papers. Yeah, right? so exactly that. that. So we want our file type to be PDF, right? And we probably don't want junk. So let's just make sure we limit ourselves to uh, EDU sites. And this is my entry point for, for starting. It looks like I spelled transformers wrong. So what I'm doing here is I'm doing a Google keyword search using essentially quotes to make sure that I'm finding that exact phrase. And then I'm saying, okay, file type, colon PDF, just give me only white papers. That's all I'm interested in. Site colon EDU, like don't give me none of the bullshit sites. Just give me educational webs, like, you know, university sites. And once I do that, then let's say I look at this first paper here, Transformers Envision a Survey. Great. So what I'll do is I'll look through here and once this loads, I'll, I'll show you. So I'll look through here and, you know, maybe I have a certain particular word that it is that I'm looking for, right? If there's like a, a super particular phrase that I'm hoping to get from this um, that I hope is unique, right? I'll say F and let's just do F as like, I don't know, loss function, right? Do they mention loss function? Oh, great. Yes, they do. They mention loss function eight times. Cool. So let me see what they mention about loss functions. Is this answering my question? Yes or no? Okay, well, it doesn't. Um, so let's let's see what they're referencing. Okay, well, they got a bunch of references here. And then I'd scroll all the way down to the bottom, way down to the bottom on, in this case, page 28. And I started looking at the references. This is the great part about research papers is that every research paper is going to have a shit ton of reference. So you just kind of go through these references and look through them and, and you know, maybe on based on title, based on where this reference was mentioned in the paper, see if it's applicable to you, right? So this is like my very general high level approach to research. And then it gets more detailed, more nuanced as you go further and forth further into it. But here's the thing, man, like you can't ask a question if you don't know what it is that you're looking for. So I'd say first get clear on exactly what it is that you're looking for. Then you can ask the right questions to get you the information that you need. Um, at a high level, that's how I would research and, and do stuff as, as you asked. Was that helpful at all? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I totally agree. So um, just like you said, um, I have been like over the weeks, I have read several papers. I have done like, uh, I, I've did like uh, seen the implementations and stuff, but I'm still kind of confused about like what my professor said. How do you, a paper you take, uh, an image classification paper? Ooh, cutting off there, Aditya. I'm not sure what happened. Are you still here? So it looks like his audio um, cut out. You can try again, Aditya. All right. So um, if you want, if you want to type out which, uh, which, well, I can hear you now, Aditya. Do you want to, do you want to say what's going on? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm really sorry about this. Yeah. It's like very bad fluctuating here. Yeah, no worries. Okay. So yeah, um, I've read several papers and I've even implemented them all. But I, I'm like really confused like on what kind of modifications I have to do on 
a paper such that to improve its its accuracy or to see or even how it behaves because first of all their co- the code is itself very intimidating okay mm-hmm. and on top of that we have to do a uh, modification on that is is a challenge so how do you um how do you manage uh, uh, with these challenges um yeah i'm not sure if i really understand the question but I would just start by asking whoever's requesting you to do this to just be really clear on, okay, what is that you actually want me to do here, right? Do you want me to just read through papers, implement the code, and then do what with it? Do you want me to maybe find a area where I can improve this code or maybe find an area where I can add more knowledge to what this person did to build on it, right? So just get really clear on what it is that you actually need to do, right? So two things that you need absolute clarity on to do anything, I think, productive in this world. First, figure out what it is that you're looking for, absolutely clearly what it is that you're looking for, and then ask very, very specific targeted questions to get you the information you need so you can answer any questions, right? Um, So in this case, if you're saying, all right, I'm looking at code and the code is just super intimidating. Well, maybe you can break apart the code, refactor it, making it a little bit cleaner. Like I'm like, I'm not sure what it is that your professor actually wants. Um, Based on the message that you sent me, it says says that your professor told you to work on transformers and do some modifications such that to see the model behaves. Okay, so uh, make modifications on on what i'm not sure modification are basically techniques inspired from other papers and i should apply these techniques to a particular task and check how it behaves um yeah so just experimentation right so maybe some modifications like i, I don't know exactly like i don't know much about what code you're looking at but maybe if this piece of code is looking at a particular value for a hyperparameter then do some experiments around that hyperparameter and say okay if i fluctuate these hyperparameters what happens what changes um, and run some experiments and compare and contrast the results. That's what I would say. Um, so hopefully that's helpful. Um, I see some comments here from Elki. So if Elki, if you want to jump in or was that just um, a, a comment? Um, yeah, I can jump yeah. in. Although yeah. it was mostly still on the, the previous topic okay. Um, okay. of like, um, yeah, learning and progressing in, in the data science, uh, especially if you're a beginner, like that I feel like sometimes it does help if you work on a project with a group of people, especially if you know different aspects of data science, because you can learn from each other and build on each other's knowledge in, in the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but based on this question that we're having right, right here, okay, I know you're um, pretty well-versed in machine learning as well. That's kind of your thing. Like, how would you go about doing this? If you were to, if somebody asked you to go and look at a research paper, look at the code, how it's implemented, and then make some modifications to that code and see how things change. Like what, what would your process be? Or if you don't have a process um, for that, no worries. Don't worry, don't worry about it. Well, it's off the top of my head. I think I would start by really trying to replicate the research that has been done. So mm-hmm. to see if I can get the actually the same results as, as the researchers had so that I make sure that I understand every part of the process. And then um, if you already have some ideas of, of what to change or where to experiment, then you can go ahead and plug the differences and keep track of it. And, and then if, if the difference means that your model is improving, you can build on it. If it is not, then you've learned not to make that modification. Um, and if you do not know what changes to make, I would say go go further into research of maybe adjacent domains, things that are linked to it, but not exactly the same and see if you can find any inspiration there. I absolutely love that. That last bit of advice there. That is super important. Um, so hopefully, Aditya, that helped. Um, uh, 
we're going to go ahead and move on now. So next question we got, I got Jaya in the queue for the next one. Yes, Jaya. And then after Jaya, I think the next person I have in the queue will be uh, Arusha. Okay, so this might be a stupid question because I don't know anything about this topic. So uh, how, uh, so I've got an interview coming up uh, next, uh, next week. In fact, it's tomorrow uh, with IBM. So they've asked me, the recruiter told me to learn up or study, uh, get familiar with containers, Kubernetes, cloud. So what is the linkage to data science, I guess, because I don't know anything about this stuff. So I just want to know how is that linked to data science and what I what do I need to know about it? So in order for us to kind of like, so when we're developing models, usually when we're experimenting, we're doing so in a computing environment that is maybe just our own computing environment on the local machine, right? But the environment that is on our local machine might not necessarily be the same environment that's on maybe Kristoff's computer or Elky's computer, right? So in order to make sure that we have kind of a consistent environment, we put things into containers, right? And a container is just an image. And what this image is, you want to think of it as an image, like a snapshot in time of my current computing environment, meaning I've got all of these packages installed. I've got this type of architecture, so on so forth, right? Um, at a very high level, I'm probably describing it horribly, but a container makes it so that you avoid the question of, hmm, it worked on my machine. Why doesn't it work on yours, right? So that's kind of in general what that does. And when you talk about Kubernetes, Kubernetes is essentially an orchestration tool, right? So what this does is it just kind of like a puppeteer orchestrating resources, right? Like, and re these are computing resources, um, and that's, I'm going to flip this one over to the software engineers in the house. So Christoph or Elke, if you guys want to uh, come in here and chat about that. Um, uh, I just agree with you. I, I mean, it's like, um, those con containers, uh, you can think of it as like, um, closed operation system, like where you've got all your packages or your programs installed and, and when you move to another machine, you just do some stuff. I don't, I've never used it. I, I just, I just know about it. And I know that people use it to deploy models, but I don't know how much time you've got to prepare about it, but I think it's yeah. pretty difficult. I don't yeah. really understand this, but I've never learned it. So, but it's like really technical and it's not going to be easy. Yeah. Um, Elke, what about you? Have you got any insight that you can share? Because I know I probably did a horrible job explaining all of that. Well, I, I think you did well, but I'm not an expert either. Uh, I think maybe what I can add is that uh, I've noticed um, in some projects at the company that I work in that um, we, we build a sort of modeling engine, which is um, kind of a service or a product that we offer to other companies, which means that it has to be reusable. And for a lot of companies, especially larger companies, they want to have this solution installed on premises and they want to have it working on the environment that they already work with. Uh, and if we containerize the solution, that means that, for example, even though we run it on Azure, uh, it can be completely decoupled from any of these um, Azure specific things. Uh, and if they work, for example, on AWS, we can easily switch it and just have the container built there and they can use their uh, environment that they are comfortable with. Um, and this also helps, especially in large companies to yeah, make sure that the, the product can be reused. And I think in IBM's world, that might also be uh, one of the reasons for 
container ID. Okay, all right. Thank you very much. So, so basically, what I'm understanding is that this container, all the if you build app, you put it in this container, and this container is actually flexible and portable in any environment that you put into. Correct? I, I just, I, yeah, I just want to know the high level. That's it. And and I, because if they're going to dig me, <laughs> dig more into it, I don't know. I'm going to just say I don't know. But I just want to just get a basic level. So this container can move around different premises. It's portable and everything's packaged in, it could be, so these apps can be written in different languages and so forth, but they are within that environment. Am I right? In in that container, right? Kind of? Yeah, yeah. Just having yeah. it in a container just makes it just, it runs on my machine, runs on your machine, runs okay. on the cloud, runs Perfect. on any any place that you put it. Okay. Um, so once inside of that Docker container, then you're just replicating the environment where that thing was created so that all the dependencies are, are there and everything. It so when you say creating an image, so you have this container, you're creating an image. This is the image that moves around in different environment, different PCs, computers. And, yeah. and yeah. okay, so that's one. So Kubernetes is an orchestra of this whole container thing that it, it, it kind of tells the systems, the IPs, hey, where you want to go, this is where you go, you know, when something breaks and, you know, and it kind of, kind of, it's like the glue. Am I right? I'm just thinking yeah, it's, like, it's yeah. just like, it's, it's an orchestrator, right? Cause you can have a bunch of different containers and, okay. you know, maybe you need to scale up, right? Maybe you need to, mm-hmm. to you need more computing power. So you, Kubernetes will help scale up and scale down um, and, and manage you know, okay. resources okay. in that sense. Um, there was a office hour for the Artists of Data Science happy hour, maybe three weeks ago that we, we talked really heavily about um, Docker containers. So if you go to, I uh, just go to the, to my website, the Artists of Data Science um, dot fireside.fm and then type in like docker in in search or type in container in search and it it should pull up the text file of the episode where where we were talking about that um okay but this is your podcast correct yeah yeah okay gotcha i I will definitely look into it okay yeah it was um it was probably the april 1st episode i'd reckon start there april 1st okay perfect we we had like an entire discussion about containers and stuff like that so so is there a difference what is docker then is docker and kubernetes the same thing or is docker containers the docker is framework for creating containers and Kubernetes oh, is the is so, a orchestrator, right? Okay, so gotcha. Different, different types of applications, yeah. Okay. So the reason uh so 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 what is cloud? Uh is it just uh the so I guess I, I I'm not sure what is cloud. So that's physical machines and then that's cloud machines, am I right? So the cloud is essentially just data sent like servers in a data center. Right. So when we say cloud, that's you know essentially what that means. It means our, our stuff is replicated all over amongst many, many different little laptops. Right. You want to think of it that way. Okay. Um, right. You have your local machine here. All of your stuff is here. But if your stuff is in the cloud, it's just like mini bits of your laptop in a bunch of different data centers. Um, okay. it, it's just essentially it's the cloud just makes things serverless. Right. Okay. It's to make things completely serverless. Um, if anybody wants to add an even better description than my horribly botched one, go for it. It looks like Sorb wants to, so go for it. Yeah, um, I mean, um, cloud is uh, essentially uh, just, uh, imagine you have, a, you have a company, you're running a company, and instead of maintaining your own servers, your own databases, all your infrastructure in your premise, you know, all that headache, you are managing it. Instead of you doing it, you're giving it to a cloud provider, say Google. Google, you give us uh, compute power database, everything you manage. 
we will just upload programs there so it's all your headache to maintain the data centers and all the physical infrastructure so that's the key advantage of uh, cloud and and then you will pay some money to google for managing all that stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah okay so it just makes it so you don't have to manage and maintain your own servers and, and stuff like that. So it does a lot mm-hmm. of the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, the resource management and infrastructure and platforms yeah. and stuff is managed for you by this, you know, in this case, Google or AWS or Azure. Those are like the big three. So Okay. Okay. So yeah, just trying to link uh, containers, Kubernetes and cloud all three together and how data science falls into that. So when you're building models, uh, I mean, data science. You're, yeah. you're talking more about like machine learning at this point. Like this is all software engineering concepts hmm. we're talking about. None of that wow. is, to me, data I mean, science? it's a part of the data science lifecycle, but everything you're talking about right now, this is all the work of either a machine learning operations engineer, a machine learning engineer, hmm. a data engineer, like these types of activities, I would not anticipate a data scientist to work on. Do they need knowledge on it? Yeah. Um, but these are software engineering, machine learning engineering. Okay. Maybe, maybe they're going to ask me something very high level, nothing deep, I feel, because this is a data what, what science. Is the, well, yeah. What's the job title that you're going for, right? If the job it, title... It's data science. So, but I, but the recruiter told me just, hey, just learn a little bit about containers and Kubernetes and IBM Cloud. So I yeah, say, okay. Just, just know what those things are and where they are useful and how they can help facilitate okay. the, I guess, the deployment of the work that you're doing. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Awesome. Next up, we got Arusha. And then after Arusha, um, looks like somebody wants me to look at the resume, which I can look at very briefly. Um, if anybody else has questions, go ahead and let me know in the chat, then I'll add you to the queue, but go for it, Arusha. Um, yeah, hi, Harpreet. Am I audible? Yeah. yeah. Uh, firstly, thank you so much for having me here. Um, so actually, there's just a lot of material online, so it gets really like difficult sometimes, and I'm trying to find like the best way to check out a, like a proper path So on my data science journey. So, I mean, to give you a little background, like I tried Andrew NG's machine learning course and I found that very overwhelming and I don't know where to begin with stats. And recently I started a career track on data camp. So I am familiar, like I have a computer science engineering background. So I'm familiar with algorithms, database, SQL, et cetera. And I've used like transfer learning and an image recognition project. But I feel like I don't have my basics. So I kind of just dove into the deep end. So if you have any recommendations on how to break into data science, and I know we've discussed this before about, you know, picking up smaller projects in EDA and data cleansing and transformation, but should I be doing this next or am I missing something in the middle? So um, That's a tough question yeah. for me to, to answer there because I mean, there's a lot in there. So if you're already good with computer science, you already know how to code, that's like half the battle. So that's good. So okay. if you're already good with software engineering, you already know your algorithms and your data structures and all your computer science stuff, that's cool. You're halfway there. Next thing I would do is just focus on how to create actual machine learning models, statistical models, right? So get good with statistics and probability and things like that. Um, I would, I'd recommend this. Actually, I, there's a book that I shared on my LinkedIn profile earlier today called Machine Learning for Absolute Beginners. That's something that I can recommend you check out. Um, but in, in terms of, I mean, is, is finding resources the problem? I don't know, because there's so much resources out there. So I'm trying to really understand what it is that your question is, because... It's just, when, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, I'm sorry, it's just mean, uh, not finding resources, just that there's a lot of resources. So as I was saying, I went to Andrew and G, I went to Data yeah. Camp. So I don't know what would be the best way to actually start my journey on data science. 
So is the, the question, like, here's the thing, like all the resources, they're all, they're all the fucking same, man. Like, like data science, data science, like there's, there's not like one magic resource that will teach you the one thing that you need to learn that will all of a sudden make everything click. Like, that, doesn't, yeah. that doesn't, that doesn't exist. So it sounds to me that it's not an issue of finding resources. It's a issue of creating a roadmap for yourself. Like, okay, great. There's a shit ton of resources out there. What do I need to actually know? Where do I actually start? Right. Is that kind of yes, yes, where it's okay. at? All right. So I'm going to just give myself a plug here for data science stream job. Um, I'll pull this up. I'll share this with you guys as well. I can, um, I can do that. Give me one second while I pull this up. So uh, data science stream job. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but it is the uh, coaching mentorship platform, which I am principal at. Um, and this is just a way to, to help people transition into data science, provide them guidance and, and mentorship all along the way. And for that, we've, we've got a bunch of these roadmaps, right? Um, we got roadmaps for full stack data scientists, machine learning engineer, data engineer, so on and so forth, right? So I'm just going to zoom in on this one. Full stack data scientists, like this is everything that you need to know. Eventually, not all at once before you get your first job, but eventually this is all the stuff you need to know. You see that we start up here with math, stats, probability, a linear algebra calculus, CS101 programming SQL, right? So if you look at this thing, it looks like an inverted tree, right? Almost like an inverted tree, if you think hard enough. What's most important is this T-shaped stuff right here, right? So you focus on this stuff right here. These are the core skills that you need to be successful from day one on your uh, in your job as a data scientist. And we start up here with, with math, stats and probability, then linear algebra calculus, then some computer science, programming, SQL, then machine learning algorithms, feature engineering, model evaluation, model tuning, right? This is the stuff you should focus on. But stats and probability is massive, right? Like I've got, I've got master's degrees in stats and probability and I've, you know, I've, I've taken several actuarial exams. I still don't know anything about stats and probability because it's so massive. But there's a few things that you should definitely focus on, right? Um, obviously, knowing probability is a must, right? So knowing basics probability is essential, right? So be familiar with Bayes' theorem, be familiar with... Um, you know, the laws of probability, be familiar with some of the common probability distributions, right? There's normal distribution, T distribution, chi-square distribution, uh, Weibull distribution, uh, um, Poisson distribution, I'm blanking, there's gamma distribution. There's all these different distributions that are that are common and, and you should probably know about them. Um, and then, you know, from statistics, there's, there's a number of things that you should focus on, most of which is probably in the realm of inference, and hypothesis testing. So just be familiar with how to design an experiment, you know, how to do what random sampling is, things like that. I mean, I'm, I'm going really, really granular at this point, but hopefully this is helping. Let me know. I'm just going to stop talking and drink water for a second and give you an opportunity. No, no, this is great. I'm actually noting down everything. Yeah, because I mean, these are huge fields. It's not like you need everything from linear algebra and calculus. Like what do you need to really know from linear algebra? Well, you need to know what a matrix is. You need to know what a vector is. You need to know what the transpose of a matrix is. You need to know what the inverse of a matrix is. You should probably know how to inverse invert a matrix. You should probably know what an eigenvalue is. You should probably know what a, how to do a singular value decomposition. You should probably know what an eigenvector is. You should probably know what else am I missing from linear algebra that you should probably know. Um, how to multiply matrices just in general. Um, yeah, that, like, you know, implica implications of uh, columns in your matrix, if they are linearly dependent, what does that do? Why is that bad? Um, so th those are probably the most important concepts from linear algebra that you should know. Um, am I missing anything? Anybody can join in at any second here. Um, 
from calculus, I mean, definitely know what, what a derivative is, what an integral is, what a gradient is. should probably know um, how to find the area underneath a curve, which is just integration. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's definitely just bits that are more important than all the others, I guess is what I'm trying to convey. Oh, yeah. This is really useful. Thanks. Yeah. So... Um, the book that I was talking about was Machine Learning for Absolute Beginners. Go to my LinkedIn profile. You'll see, I think I might have posted it earlier today or maybe even yesterday, day before, whatever. It's a, a orange cover of the book, Machine Learning for Absolute Beginners. I think it was but, yesterday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Definitely go there. Check that out. Yeah. Because I mean, I, I schedule out all my LinkedIn posts. I don't know when they post or <laughs> or what, what even gets posted. I just... Once a week, I just sit down, schedule all the posts, and they just happen. Um, but that that's probably a good starting point. Um, I would just I would focus just on you know instead of looking at a whole plethora of resources, just focus on one resource at a time, and then focus on that one until you're done, and say, okay, great, now I need a little bit of extra here and there, and pick that up. So my one resource, um, I would say there's the O'Reilly book, Introduction to Machine Learning with Python. That should be good. Um, I don't know, like. A, I feel like I'm giving such blanket advice. If you want to to chime in at any point, please do. Like, what is your actual, like, I, I don't, I'm giving you a whole bunch of like prescriptions, but I don't think I know what your actual problem is. So if, if it's the the road mapping part, we talked about that, but like what, what else is going on? Yeah. So I think actually this is about it. Um, just kind of want to make a roadmap on how to get there. And mm-hmm. to give you a little perspective, I'm actually heading to Canada for my master's in management analytics this fall. So uh, I just wanted to like, you know, better prepare myself for this course. So that's nice. what I Where in and, Canada are you headed? Uh, I'm going to Rockland, University of Toronto. Oh, nice. Okay. So actually on in line with that, um, do you have any advice on, you know, maybe how to network or, you know, get in touch with people with like professionals in the Toronto area. I mean, as a professional yourself based in Canada. Um, LinkedIn is probably the best place to start okay. LinkedIn or just come to things like this and talk to people. But yeah, there's, there's a bunch of meetup groups as well. So if you go to like meetup.com and you type in like, you know, data science or machine learning and you can find meetup groups. Um, now, nowadays, all those meetup groups are, are virtual. There's also uh, DAMA, D-A-M-A or DAMA. Um, they have a chapter, I think, in Toronto. Um, but those would be like the, the first go-tos, I would say, is, is join those meetup types of groups and then connect with people on LinkedIn. Make sure that people that you're connecting with on LinkedIn are, are active people, though. Okay, yeah. thank you so much. And thank you to everyone in the chat. So, so they're giving a lot of recommendations, which is super useful. Yeah, and I also recommend getting a jacket because it gets cold. <laughs> yeah, thank yeah. you. Um, cool. So next question is, Jacob got... A resume. All right. So Jacob talked. Are you still here, Jacob? I don't know. So the resume looks pretty clean. I'll pull it up in a second here. Um, but yeah, so talk to us about, uh, you know, what's going on. So yeah, we, we talked on Friday, I think. At the yeah, Happy we did, Hour. yeah. Yeah, the bunch of advice on on the struggles with what's going on. But um, go ahead, talk to us a little bit about, you know. Okay, um, so um, before that meeting on Friday, I, I had um, an interview with uh, a startup in Singapore. Sorry, I'm busy in Lagos, Nigeria. So um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's just be like that, like having interview, not going to be on that stage, maybe like a chat chat stage. And it has been a struggle. And um, I've been trying to revamp my resume over time. And this is like the latest edition. So I see try to, you know, going for jobs application, but nothing yet. Mm-hmm. And you had advice I come today and publish my resume so you could just um, maybe have a feel. Yeah. 
So let me pull this up real quick. Um, some of your resume looks like nice. I like the I like the layout. This is very clean and appealing layout. Um, so just kind of looking this over real quick. So you're coming from project engineering, project coordinator, data analyst intern. Okay, so is this considered a career transition? Um, no, because you're pretty new out of school looks like well not really sure um i think i've been working for like seven years as a civil engineer well majoring into project management yeah yeah. yeah. So, I mean, like visually, aesthetically, resume looks good. Content wise, we can drill down a little bit more. Right. So I, I'm a huge fan of the star framework for talking about how to you know, put stuff on your resume, that situation, task, action, result. Right. So I like that you have all these projects. These are good, but maybe you want to emphasize more about what it was that you did with the project. Right. So, so two things I would say is first, the project, let's make the name a little bit more interesting and exciting. Make somebody want to read more. So this could be exactly what you did, but maybe you want to make a catchy title for it, right? And when we talk about the star framework with respect to the projects, you want to essentially frame it like this, like situation for this project, right? So so let me take a step back. Anytime you use a star framework, this is how you want to think through it, right? The situation for this project was dot, dot, dot. My task was to do dot, dot, dot. The actions I took or the analysis I performed was dot, dot, dot. And as a result, blank, right? So for your Disney movie analysis project, maybe something can be for this project. I was interested in um, discovering what the movie gross income was from a particular set of years to determine which movies drive revenue the furthest. I don't know. I'm just making that up. Um, my task was to do these things, right? The analysis I performed was using the Pareto principle to determine that blah, 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 right? So on and so forth. Um, was that helpful? I don't know. I was just I'm talking real, real quick. I just want to make sure that... Um, yeah, it does. It does. So you want to use that same kind of framework for everything on your resume, right? Um, so here and here, I mean, the, these are, are great bits of experience, probably not relevant today to science. So I say, keep it as a one sentence, like you have it. And I think that's good. Um, but for this one, where it's more relevant to data science, maybe try to use that star framework, right? You can say as a data analyst intern at UNISO, I had the opportunity to work on several projects, some of which included, right? So you have like a opening sentence that's free of the bullet point that just frames what, you, what you're about to tell us, and then have two to three projects that you worked on that were your biggest highest impact projects, right? So you can say, as a data analyst intern, had the opportunity to work on several projects, some of which included refactoring existing SQL queries, which resulted in da-da-da, right? So you need to put, like you're putting refactored existing SQL queries, which made queries faster and efficient. Great. How much faster? How much more efficient, right? Can we translate that into dollars at all? Like, can we translate that into a quantitative value? How do you translate that into a quantitative value? Well, you can say, all right, well, before I optimized these SQL queries, it took X amount of time to run each query. At the standard rate that we have with our cloud service providers, it costs this much money per unit of time to run these SQL queries. So our baseline was X amount of dollars, right? After refactoring the SQL queries, they now run in X minus Y amount of time, right? Which results in Z dollars of reduction from the previous amount, which was a X percent 
reduction in in cost, right? Hopefully that's making sense. It's just try to yeah. try to quantify the results of what you did, right? So there's that. Uh, your summary here, determined and passionate data analysts with proven skills in SQL and Python for data analysis, eager to join your team using data to help drive a successful outcome. Like there's a bunch of words, but I don't like, it's just not really telling you too much about you and what separates you. Everybody who's applying for a job at my company is determined and passionate and they're all eager. So like, how are you unique, right? Oh, you want to refactor that summary, right? So you have to think of it this way. Whoever is looking at your resume probably has 100, 200 resumes that they're looking at. They have 100 or 200 resumes that they're looking at. They're not going to spend a minute, two minutes on every single resume. They're going to spend 10 seconds, maybe at the most before they keep going. And if your opening sentence on your resume is that you're determined and eager data analyst, I'm like, okay, great. So is everyone else. I got to keep moving, right? So your resume have to treat it as a sales document. Right. So make sure that whatever opening quote unquote paragraph you have for your summary is unique. Right. So for example, mine back when I used to have that on my resume, I don't anymore. It would be constantly learning, self-motivated to try new things and not intimidated by the prospect of applying newly learned tools to big, complex, messy data problems. I love to get myself in there and find the most optimal solution given the constraints possible. Right. And that just tells you all about me. Right. Nothing about me being um, eager or determined, whatever. Right. Those are all kind of subjective judgments. Um, but hopefully that's helpful. There's a follow up question here on a resume since it's um, on point here. Why don't you go ahead and have that question sort of. Yeah. Um heard in um, many um, podcasts that in the in a data science CV, we should include GitHub link um, mm-hmm. and any you know links that show our the projects that we have done and maybe some code and, and but on the other hand, we also know that the recruiter has got very few seconds to see the CV. He's looking at maybe hundred CVs. Is he you know practically is he or she really gonna look at the GitHub link? The GitHub link is is not necessarily the recruiter that's looking at it. Sometimes they might want to have that there just to see that you've done projects, but really the GitHub link is there is once the recruiter has looked at your resume and says, okay, this this looks like somebody that's worth giving mm-hmm. to the data scientists to mm-hmm. look at, use your valuable time to look at. That's there for them to look at so that they can click on it and they can get a sense of, okay, if you pass the HR screen, now let's take a look at your work, how, how it looks. Is your code clean? Can I imagine myself working with you, right? Does it look like you know what you're doing? All right, okay. cool. Well, then let's let's bring this guy in. He looks like he kind of has the basics or fundamentals. Let's bring him in, talk to him a little bit further. Uh, the, the GitHub link definitely is mostly there for the data scientists on the team to look at. It's it's a second level. It's basically a second level screening. Then it's not. Yeah. Yeah. First look. Yeah. Yeah. Recruiters just going to look at you know the the overall resume and make sure that overall like you you're hitting the, the points that they need for the particular posting or that your background mm-hmm. looks like it lines up mm-hmm. and then they'll see, okay, oh, they also have a GitHub oh. link. Great. Perfect. Uh, let's bring them on. Um, I'd also, another thing here I would say to Jacob is this technical skill section, like like these dots and stuff, like just get rid of the dots, man. Like, like uh, I can't tell like what you mean by two black dots on Python, two gray dots and one less gray dot. So that's really vague. Just remove the dots. There's a follow-up question on resumes as well. So Jaya, go for it. Yeah, Harpit, I have a question. What if you don't know the quantification or the percentage increase or percentage, uh, you know, if you don't have a quantity number over that, how do you turn that around, make it strong, even though you, you may not know how much you, you, you help the company? Me. You definitely guesstimate, right? So for example, let's say that, let's give a really high level 
Super high level example, right? So let's say you came into work and you automated some task, right? Now, before you automated this task, it would take one person 10 hours a week to do this task, right? Now you've automated it down and it takes one person one hour a week to do this task, right? So you've saved nine hours a week on this one task for one person, Right. But it turns out that there's a hundred people in the company that were doing this one task. So really you save nine hundred hours per week. Right. So nine hundred hours per week times fifty-two weeks, it's a lot of hours that you have saved. Right. Now this number of hours, right, it's relatable, equatable to money, right? You know that it has to be at least the minimum wage times that number of hours. So you know you've saved at least this amount of money for the company. Right. So that's how you do that. Does that, does that clarify anything? Oh, yes, it does. You know, the, the reason I ask is like in, in my past, in my previous careers and so forth, I wish they had taught this in school or something where you can kind of track your, 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 you know, your value in terms of dollars and time saving and all that which they don't really teach you, I guess. But uh, but yeah, yeah. Because in my past, I was an instructional designer or a designer. I train, you know, I, I used to develop learning materials and so forth that, uh, that the sales guys would go out and take that material or PowerPoint or whatever, job guide or whatever, and they would like, you know, talk about the products and stuff like that. And because we don't know, they make the numbers. They, if they make the sale, they get a commission and stuff like that, right? Because they use the learning materials and so forth. But, but I, I cannot quantify that, or, or rather, I, I, I wasn't, you know, I, I wish they had. Uh, there was some linkage to it. I don't know how to quantify it now because yeah. now it's been so many years, and you know, I, I mean, I, definitely my learning materials would have impacted the sales guy who went out and sold the product and got a commission because he made the sale, things like that, you know. So yeah. now it's been so Estimate. long. Yeah. Estimate. Yeah. It's Estimate. been so long. So that's hard. But one thing you could do is maybe you have some memory or recollection that, you know what, before I cleaned up and redid the learning materials, we had a 10%, you know, hit rate on sales. After I went and cleaned up the, the learning materials and made it easier, we were now closing not 10%, but 30%. Right. What does it like, you know, you can, you can equate, equate that to dollars if you want to translate it further down along to dollars in terms of top line revenue, or you can just say, well, I helped increase sales by this percentage from creating these learning materials. But yeah, a lot of it is just kind of guesstimation and, you know, yeah, it was a long time ago for you probably. So it's okay if the numbers aren't exact, but kind of think about how you impacted it, right? Try to quantify it. And if anybody asks like, oh, well, how, how did you do that? Then just explain to them how you came up with that number. And I'm sure that will be impressive enough to them that they won't even care about the end result. Um, all right. So next question I got up, I got, we'll make this last question for today. It's from uh, Suman. So Suman, go for it. Yeah. My question is, uh, can you can you suggest like uh, it's outside of the data science, like there are other uh, the tools that it seems like we need to be familiar or learn, like data breaks or something. Data, yeah, something like that. Uh, especially the the ETL, like uh, what kind of? Because uh, I had an interview last week and they asked me about ETL, like. Do I have experience in ETL? I, I don't have it, except the, the basic ETL that we do with, uh, within the, the, the exploratory data uh, analysis in, in Jupyter Notebook and, and, and maybe some uh, deployment. So I, I am like both the two ends of the data science. Like, can you suggest like uh, what, what we can do about that? So for ETL, like here's an example, like, do you have any wearable devices? Do you have like the, the ring or like an Apple watch or do you have any telemetry 
stuff. Okay. No, I don't have any. All right. So let's pretend that you did. Let's pretend that you had some telemetry data from maybe your ring, right? You got the Aura ring and your Aura ring collects data, right? You can build a simple ETL process that would say, okay, every night, at midnight, I'm going to have an airflow scheduler in place that is going to go to the Aura API, pull my previous day's activity data, right? And then it'll go through a series of steps where maybe I summarize, aggregate, organize my activity data. And then I have that stored on a local database on my machine, right? That's an ETL process right there. You're extracting data from somewhere. You're transforming it by doing summarizing and aggregating and organizing, and then you're loading it into a, you know, you can make a data warehouse or you can make a database on your local machine, entirely up to you. So that's an ETL process right there um, that you can practice, right? If you don't have wearable uh, devices, maybe, maybe you have a Spotify account, right? Well, Spotify has a very, very robust API, right? And you can actually access Spotify's API through the Python package SpottyPy, right? And maybe S-P-O-T-I-P-Y, SpottyPy. And maybe what you do is you go and you get all of your previous day's listening data, right? And you take all of that previous day's listening data and you aggregate it on certain metrics, right? You can say that on May 2nd, 2021, the average tempo of the songs I listened to was this tempo. The average beats per minute was this. The average acousticness, vocalness, like they have all these metrics on every song on Spotify through the API. You could do that and stash that in a database, right? And then you can go to the Weather Channel API and you can pull that day's weather from the Weather Channel API, right? And then maybe you you, you bring that in and, and maybe further down, down the line, after a month, two months of pulling data, aggregating data, you then do a project that seeks to understand the impact of weather on your music listening tastes, right? Like I'm just making shit up right now. Um, so that's something that I don't know that you can probably do, right? And that's ETL right there. Uh, now the deployment aspect of it, um, the, you want to make it easy as possible, especially if you're not trying to be a machine learning engineer. So a couple of things you can look at is um, Streamlit. Streamlit makes it really easy to um, essentially have like a, a web service where you can, you know, do, look at graphs and shit like that. Uh, Heroku, you can deploy a web app on Heroku. That's one aspect of it. Or it could simply be this, right? It, it could simply be that my model deployment is just taking in a bunch of data right? Uh, doing some, like some type of manipulation, feature engineering on it, doing a prediction and then stashing the prediction onto a local database, right? That's a deployment. It's a simple deployment, but it counts as a deployment, right? Um, I didn't mention tools or anything because tools are going to depend on the company that, that you go for. But for more, I think the principles that matter. Let me know if you have any follow-up questions. I'll pause right now. Um, I've been hearing about or uh, these tools like Databricks, Alteryx or something, Uh yeah, I'm not familiar how, with all tricks. Yeah, um, but sorry. Yeah, go on, go on. Like, how how important is it right now in in, in now of this time uh, to be actually be uh, uh, experienced or fluent to one of those tools? Yeah, well, Databricks, all Databricks really is. It's just a way to share work and collaborate. So it's just essentially a a notebook in the cloud, right? It's just like Google's collaboratory. It just makes it easier to collaborate. That's all really Databricks is. Um, so it's not really hard to learn in, in that sense. Um, you can get started for free on Databricks Community Edition and just play around with it. But I think more important is just understanding when it's useful. 
Yeah, it's just a managed service, essentially managed service for your notebook so that you can collaborate more easily um, because you, Databricks is cool because two people can work remotely be in the same exact notebook at the same exact time working on code together, right? Um, you can comment people's code. You can add, it, it's, it's nice. It, it works quite well, but um, it's not really that difficult. Yeah, I shall, I shall start on ETL. <laughs> Spotify or YouTube probably. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could probably stitch something together on YouTube um, pretty, pretty easily if, if you just give it a shot. I mean, just start simple as possible, right? So build out the manual process first, right? And then have it so that it works manually. And then from from that point, think about, okay, great. Now let me think about how to, how to automate this, right? Then you can get into like Airflow or Cron jobs or whatever the hell you want to do. It doesn't matter. Um, but that's how I would start. Cool. Um, any other questions before we end it off for today? Well, look, man, this is probably my favorite office hour. I mean, from Comet ML because we had a variety of people. I mean, not not to say that I, d- I don't love my my friends, uh, you know, Tor and Jaya and and Christoph, but it's usually just us hanging out chatting. So this is nice to have a whole bunch of newcomers. I just noticed that Auntie is here. Auntie, what's up, man? Thanks for all the support on LinkedIn. Appreciate that. Um, but yeah, it's really good to have all you guys here. I hope you guys do come back and and return and and hang out. Um, appreciate you guys coming to stop by. Do get, if you do get a chance, uh, tune into my podcast. I released an episode uh, just on Friday with Eleanor Twadell. She wrote a book that was called "Why Losing Your Job Can Be the Best Thing That Ever Happened to You." A mouthful of a title, um, but it was it's just it's super relevant even if you're a career transitioner or if you're you know. If you find yourself unemployed, um, it's it's a great great conversation we had talking about her book and and subtle mindset shifts to get you out of that rut if you are in a rut. Um, so check that out. I got a couple good messages about some positive feedback for that. So next week we got office hours again, happy hour on Friday. So make sure you check that out. That is Friday at 4:30 p.m. Central Standard Time, and then back next week on May 9th at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. Looks like I stalled enough so there are no other questions. Then I can officially sign off now, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. Appreciate having all you guys here. Remember, you've got one life on this planet. Why not try to do something big? Cheers, everyone. Thanks. Bye, everyone.